Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and uh, Charles Chuck Bryant's with me, as usual. It just wouldn't be the same if he weren't. That's what I hear. Yeah. Um, Thankfully for me. And me. Oh, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) So that means this is stuff you should know, right, Chuck? The podcast, the legend, lives on. Yeah, we thought about a name change recently, but we figured we'd just stick with it. Yeah. Stuff you should know. Yes, we thought about a name change? I just made that up. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you never <laughs> CC me on e- emails anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chuck, has a SWAT team ever raided your house? No. I did have a cop come to my door one time in Athens, though. For what? I don't know why, actually. I don't remember. I, I just remember being woken up, and there was a cop at the door, and I can't remember exactly why he was coming by. It was a mistake, clearly. But I also... You know, didn't fully open the door. If you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> you don't. Are you, are you making air quotes that you don't remember? No, and that I, it was a mistake. It really was. I don't. I honestly don't remember why he showed up. I just remember thinking, oh, I'm just going to crack the door here and see what this cop wants. Have you ever been arrested? No. Really? Does that surprise you? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you went to college in Athens. You lived in yeah. L.A. for a while. I mean, I did get uh, shaken down in front of the Georgia Theater one night, like against the wall, frisked. For no reason. They're always uh, shaking people down. Yeah. I mean, they literally had no reason. They put all of our friends up against the wall, like stopped the car and just jumped out And as we were leaving a show. I think Georgia Theater, being in the vicinity of it, was probable cause under law in Athens. Yeah, it was weird. And then they just left. As soon as they came, they just, like, left. It was so odd. Well, uh, luckily for you, you didn't die of a heart attack. No. You weren't shot in the chest. No. You weren't shot three times. No. Um. Had it been a SWAT team that shook you down or came to your door, yeah. all of these things may have happened. I might have been too tapped. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what SWAT teams are, Chuck, we should probably get to that finally, right? Yes. SWAT teams are um, specially trained and specially equipped and armed divisions of police departments. Yeah, heavily armed. Very, yeah. A lot of their stuff is cobbled together through um, uh, military surplus. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't either. Pretty cool. Thanks to uh, the Grabster, who wrote yet another fine article. Yeah, he's one of the faves around he, here. He is. He's a good guy. And uh, ironically, neither one of us have ever met him. No. No. Have I have no idea picture? what he looks like. Have I you? Do. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil it for you, though. Yeah. I don't like doing that. I like keeping like a non-image or... Yeah. I see him with a beard. Does he have a beard? He does. But we get that a lot when people see pictures of us. They write in and to express their displeasure, which is always yeah. nice. We're obtuse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, special Weapons and Tactics, Josh, is the name now, but what was it originally? Special uh, Weapons Attack Team. Yeah. They realized that was a little too aggressive sounding. A little bit, yeah. Mm. So um, the, the the guy who came up with the original name, Special Weapons Attack Team, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Was a guy named Daryl Gates, who was police chief of LAPD for a very, very long time. Indeed. While you were there, in fact. Were uh-huh. you there during the Rodney King incident and the ensuing uh, riots? No, my brother was, though. Yeah? Uh-huh. Was he anywhere near, like, South Central? Um, well, it happened all over. He saw he was in the area of the riots. Really? hmm Wow. And, you know, clearly stayed in his apartment. His, okay, so your brother's not Reginald Denny? No. Good. <laughs> yeah, that'd be bad. I hope that guy's doing all right. But, yeah, me too. Um, but Gates didn't actually 
uh, invent the SWAT team. He's falsely no. credited with that, though, many yeah. times. Yeah, he did champion the idea. I yeah. get the impression that a friend of his or somebody lower on, or I should say higher on the totem pole, uh, came right. up with that <laughs> uh, nice. idea. Uh-huh. And uh, being in a position of authority, uh, he was still a high-ranking officer then, although not yet police chief. Gates said, this is a great idea. Sure. So he assembled the world's first SWAT team, or at the very least, the United States' first SWAT team. LAPD leading the way, as usual. Right. They also brought us uh, with bribery, corruption, uh, planning weapons. Brutality. Brutality. Yeah. <laughs> A lot, a lot of a stuff. long history of bad things. Sure, yeah. They, they've cleaned it up, though. I think now have they? Supposedly, they they every uh, decade they've cleaned it up, and then something horrible happens, right. and they've cleaned it up. Sure, and then fifty horrible things happen. But again, they are credited with coming up with the first SWAT team in America. That Indeed. was 1967. Right. So they sat around for two years and waited until an organization known as the Black Panthers um, did not want the LAPD to enter. When they came a knocking on some gun warrants, yep, that at was their headquarters. One of their first uh, encounters, that in the Symbionese Liber- Liberation Army. Right, I, I actually read accounts of these these two things. Yeah, the the uh, Black Panther standoff in '69 uh-huh. and the uh, SLA standoff in '74 um, were uh, days long. Right, right. They in in the uh, SLA standoff, they they shot tear gas into the house nothing they just really? returned fire wow everybody either died of gunshot wounds or burned in the fire jeez the black panthers all made it out alive but this was after several days too and in both cases both sides fired several thousand rounds at one another wow yeah that's a serious standoff so yeah and this is um it, it definitely remains in the uh the the mentality of the LAPD SWAT team because they have an unofficial patch that has 41 and 54 uh, the Black Panthers headquarters where the standoff took place was at 41st Street. Uh, and then the SLA standoff was at 54th and, I think, Compton Avenue. So gotcha. they have 41 and 54. Because, Constant reminder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, this created, it. Well, at the very least, it showed the world that you do need SWAT teams. Yeah. Because up to this point, before the SWAT teams were created, any officer who came up on a scene was expected to resolve the problem. Sure, with, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say minimal firearms, but certainly not special, uh, specially equipped no. gear and ammo. Right. And then in 1975, um, the, uh, I don't remember what, what network it was on, but um, SWAT came out. Yeah. A cop show about SWAT teams. Bob Urich. Oh, was he in it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never saw it. I saw the horrible, horrible remake. The, the movie? movie version. Yeah, I didn't see that with Sam Jackson and uh, Colin Farrell. <sighs> I didn't see that. That's a deadly combination. Now, was that a remake like or was it just... drinking water in rural Mexico, <laughs> but in movie form, you know? What, Sam Jackson and Colin Farrell? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sam Jackson's almost a parody of himself at this point. Yeah. He has been the whole time. We just didn't catch on at first. Oh, uh, is that what it was? Yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about how many there are in the country. Supposedly, there are about 1,200 SWAT teams in the United States and... Ninety percent of police forces in uh, cities of fifty thousand or more have some kind of SWAT team. Right, not bad. No, not at all. And seventy percent in smaller towns. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, it, pretty much everybody. I think there's twelve hundred. Yeah, an estimated twelve hundred across the country. Um, in some cities, uh, smaller towns, um, 
have kind of gotten together with other nearby smaller towns. Sure, that makes sense. And have been like, hey, we'll throw in a few SWAT team members and some equipment. You guys do the same. We'll have a regional SWAT team. Right. I've got two point men if you've got a sniper. Right. And they'll just it's combine like collecting forces. Harry Potter trading cards, <laughs> except with real life SWAT team members. Right, I never thought about that. So, what do they use these people for, Chuck? This this elite group of uh, tactically trained, heavily armed paramilitary police officers. Well, Josh, there's quite a few scenarios. Uh, a high risk warrant, obviously, if they're going to serve a warrant to a known uh, violent felon who may have a gun or armament. Right. They want to bring in the SWAT team. Sure. Uh, any kind of hostage situation or barricade situation, obviously. Um, a high-risk person is when someone needs to be transported, like some nasty serial killer. Sure, Henry Hill. And uh, obviously terrorist attacks or riots, you call them the SWAT team. Yeah. Or the riot crew, which we should do. Uh, this made me want to do one on riot control, actually. We should do that at some point. Yeah, cracking heads. Oh, is that how they do it? Cracking hippies' <laughs> heads, yeah. <laughs> Hippies. We should do that because we could talk about the uh, battle for Seattle in 1999. Yeah, my friend was there. Yeah, that's right. I think you said that. Inciting the riot, throwing bricks and Molotov no, cocktails or something? No, he had funny, um, funny signs that he held up, like <laughs> Simpsons references and stuff. <laughs> Our kind of guy. All right. So look for riot control coming up, right? Indeed. Um, so check, there's about 40,000 SWAT raids in the U.S. every year. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, it's growing and growing. In the last 25 years, it's increased 1,300%. Now, is that because they're a little more trigger-happy or because there's more SWAT guys or they're because there's more situations that need it? Or all three, probably. It's probably all three plus a little bit of um, <clears throat> looser federal funding coming in than there ever was before. Now, the Department gotcha. of Homeland Security is around. Uh-huh. They have deep pockets. So a, a police uh, station might say, wow, sure, let's get that tank since we have the dough. Right. Nice. Yeah. Although it's really not a tank. Yeah. Well, we should talk about that, actually. It said a lot of times the vehicles are uh, are transformed into SWAT vehicles. So they'll just take, like, a delivery van and arm it, paint it black, and <laughs> throw some bat shields up on it. And all of a sudden, that's, a, that's an armed vehicle. The, yeah. And a lot of times it sees stuff. Yeah. Sometimes they use RVs. Um, I love this part. Go ahead. I know where you're going. Where it'll be like a mobile command headquarters. Sure, because you need that. The reason it's so valuable is really obvious, but it's easy to overlook. Yeah. Because they have a bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> never see in the movies, you never see the hostage standoff where the guy says, I have to go take a leak. Yeah. You, you stay there waving right. your gun. Don't shoot anybody while I'm gone. And you never see anyone sneeze or go to the bathroom, anything like that, unless yeah. it's important to the film. Right. And a lot of times they'll use these transports, though heavily armed, to like actually carry the SWAT team members into an assault. Right. Um, and but it doesn't always work. Um, in 1988, uh, after German terrorists seized the Nakatomi Building in Los Angeles, right, yeah, the uh, LAPD SWAT team used their heavily armored vehicle to uh -huh. try to breach the the door to the building. Right. And they were fired upon uh, by the terrorists using a rocket launcher, mm -hmm. which I think killed or injured everyone inside. She's doing finsta. Yeah. Ask me what that means. What does that mean? Shoot the glass. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Now, if no one out there realizes that we're talking clearly about the movie Die Hard, then... Why? Then <laughs> you really need to get out more. Or at least rent more movies. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chuck. Let's get down to basics here, dude. Okay. We've gotten so far afield, it's ridiculous. Have we? No, not really. All right. Not as bad as we did with the whole G.I. Joe tirade ninja. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, 
how do you become a SWAT team member? Well, Josh, there's different ways you can uh, become a member. You obviously have to be a police officer. And uh, many times you can volunteer if you just want the extra action and you feel like you're capable or you're a really good marksman or just a tough guy. Sometimes, though, you are actually forced into duty. Yeah. Like yeah there's a couple some, of years of service. It's um, it's like a, uh, a, a point in a police officer's career. Right. Like you started as a rookie, you worked the beat, you, you know, and then maybe at some point you're a detective and then after that a SWAT or maybe those are right. divergent. But, yeah, some on some forces you're expected to eventually be a, a SWAT member for a little while. Yep. On um, smaller uh, scales, SWAT team members will be regular police officers as well or just driving around like – looking for bad guys or whatever and then right. uh, there's a there's a call out which is what they're called yeah um and then they'll go and get their stuff and get ready right right in places like LA New York their SWAT teams are like just SWAT members 24/7 they train all the time yeah they're they're very well funded uh-huh. very heavily armed uh and that is the SWAT team that we generally think of when we think of SWAT right yeah so how do they get to be this way i mean clearly they're they're well, born badasses but they sure. have to go through training right yeah and like you said the training never ends when you're a, a, like kind of like being in the military you don't stop training right you're constantly training cuz you got to keep up the physical fitness uh you should be an expert marksman, although it's not absolutely required. I think it is in a lot of, like, the ones where they're SWAT teams, yeah, like, 24-7, like sure. you said. I think that they do uh, require them to be such expert marksmen that they're they're automatically qualified to teach marksman courses. Right. I believe master marksman is the term we're looking for. Yeah. Which makes sense. Sure. Uh, so what they do here, obviously, is set up scenarios to practice. You know, when you see in the movies when they uh, have the fake uh, city scene or the fake house and then they push the button and out comes a dummy of a of a bad guy like with a gun. police academy yeah or out comes the dummy of a lady holding a child and invariably in the movie that they shoot the lady by accident and right they have to start all, wah, all over again wah, wah. <laughs> that's really how it goes down though it yeah yeah which uh, makes a lot of sense because uh, as the grabster points out in the article sitting around and talking about what you should do is not sure. really good training you right. need uh, high levels of training. Or computer I, sims, they do that too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Which I think usually require you walking around with a gun as well. Oh, they do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's just like a joystick. I think you're in a room oh, where sure. it simulates like the mannequins coming out you or whatever. You have a light gun. Right. But laser. instead it's like all the characters from uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Gotcha. You know? <laughs> so, Chuck, we've got gun training. Uh, there's often, um, well, I shouldn't say often, in some cases, specifically with the LAPD, um, there's also a lot of hostage negotiation training as well. Yeah. Uh, and most places keep SWAT and hostage negotiation totally separate. Right. They don't want them to mix. They actually probably want them to butt heads a little bit so that there's real discourse about whether or not to go in with guns blazing. Sure. Or to try to resolve the situation through negotiation. Yeah. Right. But in, in the LAPD SWAT, every single one of them is a trained hostage negotiator that's yeah. qualified to take over negotiations as the lead negotiator. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And I mean, that was multifaceted. Yeah, that was one of my favorite podcasts we did, too, about hostage negotiation. So these are closely tied uh, segments of, of private law enforcement, I guess. I keep wanting to call it mil- military. but Well, it's paramilitary. Yeah. I mean, they very much resemble a mer- military-like team. Sure. They have... Um, Stealth reconnaissance team members. Yeah. People who, you know, if, if they uh, 
are getting some information about the layout of the house, maybe from the negotiator, right, right. the hostage was let go or something like that. Um, but they need more. They'll send a couple of guys in and they will drill a hole and put a pinhole camera in to keep an eye on the guy, right. get more information about the house, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. They have snipers, obviously. Yes. They have anti-sniper snipers. Do they? Yeah. Because what if there's a sniper shooting at you? That Well, wouldn't that just be a sniper? Yeah, but they call them anti-sniper uh, Well, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> Most snipers aren't just like some jerk walking around waving a gun inside of a house. Sure. They're probably t- hard to hit. Yeah, and uh, what else do they have? Explosive, uh, explosive guys, experts. Yep, demolition. I guess you would call it. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean, this is not your average, average ordinary patrol guy who's going to pull you over for running a stop sign, right? No, definitely not. So Chuck, we've kind of referred to it here or there. You know, there's like a guy waving a gun in a house or whatever. Right. SWAT situations are generally um, where there's a standoff, like you said. Yeah. Um, to where there there is a guy in a house, say he has hostages. Okay. He's barricaded himself inside. Sure. And he's not responding, right? Yeah, bad news. So, so the SWAT team is called out. Mm-hmm. The SWAT team apparently takes about an hour to assemble. Right. And get, make it to the scene, right? Yeah, even though I think you mentioned that they, they can, they listen in on the police radio, and if they hear of a scenario where they might be called, they'll go ahead and start loading the shotguns with shells and kind sure. of start getting ready just in case. Putting on the grease paint. Yeah, exactly. The chicken blood across the forehead. <laughs> yeah. Um, w- but when they make it out, one of the first things they'll do apparently is come up with um, quick and dirty. Yeah. Air, I just made air quotes as you saw. Sure. Uh, contingency plans. So yeah. In case this thing just falls apart right when they get there, they need to know how to get in, get as many people out as possible, right. neutralize the guy, which is another word for kill yeah exactly uh and um if they do have time if the situation is what the cops call static meaning the right. guy's just he's responding to the negotiator he's not shooting anybody yet it's still a standoff but there's not nothing there's the element of time they have time yeah exactly then they're going to start planning right yeah that's when you bring in the rv and that means you can use the bathroom if you want <laughs> and come up with a very you know safe plan because ideally I know uh, the grabster points out, even though these guys have a reputation as being very trigger happy, ideally you want to end it peacefully, even if you're a SWAT team uh, right. member. So they're getting information from the hostage negotiator, from any hostages that may be released, from their stealth guys, and they've decided that enough's enough. It's time for this guy to go down, right? Yes. So they've assembled. They know they've got their plan set. They've got all the information they need, and they go through the barricade. They go through the door. What does that look like if you're standing there, and all of a sudden you're in the house, uh-huh. the door opens up, and in comes the SWAT team? What's going to happen? Well, first thing first, you probably would not see 10 guys because they form what's called a snake. Mm-hmm. And that's why in the films you see, in, in the picture shows, you'll <laughs> see them in a dead straight line, obviously because it minimizes the uh, you know the targets. Right, yeah. They can shoot at. The the guy in front of that line is called the point man. Very brave person. Very brave, but also that guy has to be as cool as a cucumber un, under some of the highest amounts of stress yeah. a, human, a human being can go through. Yeah. He has to be able to 
take in an entire situation in a split second and decide if that's a woman holding a baby. Right. So don't shoot true. her uh-huh. because this isn't police academy. No. Um, or, you know, if that, if the guy has a gun, if it's pointed at them, what, what's going on exactly? And then act on this information in a really yeah. quick manner, right? I, I would be at the tail end of that snake if I was a SWAT guy. Yeah. I'd, I'd still be, be the in the guy. bathroom. <laughs> yeah, in the motorhome? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, what, well, you know, also in the movies, uh, they get it right most times is you'll see them come in in the single file and then immediately it seems like they all go to a designated spot in the room almost as if they were trained to do so. And it's because they are. Yeah. They're called uh, areas of responsibility. Yeah. They have it all planned out beforehand. Yeah. So you have like eight guys. Yeah. And they already know the layout of the room where they're entering and where the guy has the hostages, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, they, each person has a portion of the room that they're responsible for. So the point man comes in and maybe his is dead ahead. The guy behind him is to the right in the yeah. little corner. The guy behind him is a little beyond that. So everybody's aiming at different parts of the room. Clear. And clear. then once they, well, right, exactly. Once they've noticed that their area of responsibility is clear, yeah. then they're going to train their gun on, you know, the guy who is the problem. Right. Right. And they're also, we forgot to mention, generally uh, a lot of yelling and screaming going on. Yeah. And maybe a, uh, what was it called, a, a flashbang flash grenade. Yeah. yeah, because one of the things that they want to do is uh, disorient and confuse the, the suspect. Yeah, so you can um, shoot them. <laughs> so you can shoot them in the head. Or ideally put them on the ground and cuff them. Sure. We have to say that because that's really what they're after. Right. We can't just say that they're kill-crazy uh Vengeance-minded thugs. No, and that's actually evidenced by the percentage of um, SWAT assaults that uh, where not a, a single gunshot is fired. It's about ninety percent of them. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I bet that ten percent is uh, pretty exciting. Pretty, though. pretty bloody. Yeah, thousands of rounds of ammo. Uh, they also point out, um, or Ed does rather, that when you have your area of responsibility, you plan this thing out, obviously, to go in and cover the room, but. Your point man, and actually everyone on the team, is sort of like the quarterback coming to the line of scrimmage. When you when you do that in the NFL, you see the defense, and sometimes you have to change the play because the layout has changed or it's right. not exactly how you thought, or there, there were more guys in there than you thought. Right. So You, you don't know. want to be the guy who's like covering your empty corner, which yeah, makes exactly. up your area of responsibility the whole time. Yeah, you want to be Peyton Manning. Sure. At the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Except you have a gun. Right. Can we talk about the guns? Yeah. This is my favorite part. Is it you, gun guy? No, neither one of us are, but we always go all giggly when we talk about these guns. I guess it's just being <sighs> raised as kids watching the A-Team and stuff like that. I'm very excited. Because I'm not a gun guy at all. Uh, Both uh, of us are little pansy liberals. Yeah. I, I have a <laughs> panty waist on right now. I know. Yeah. But I love these guns. Sure. So uh, equipment-wise, um, every officer has a nice, reliable, high-powered handgun. First things first. Correct? Yeah. Which they usually wear lower on their leg. For uh, it, quick reach. Yeah. Exactly. And then the holsters will be modified so that they can draw really fast. Uh-huh. Although I imagine if you're going in, you already have your gun out. Right, sure. I think it's technically is to look kind of like Han Solo. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, and they also will usually have a submachine gun and a shotgun, and clearly they're not going to go in with all three. But they have uh, a great amount of leeway with... Their their own personal arsenal. They can pick out their own guns, essentially. And a lot of times, if you look at the SWAT arsenal, uh, it's kind of ragtag and piecemeal. 
um, because in addition to seizing delivery vans used yeah. for drugs, they also seize weapons from drug dealers. So yep. one guy might have an Uzi, another guy might have an, uh, a Heckler and Coke MP4 or yeah. something like that. An AK-47. Yeah. Can I, a show you uh, can I show you something cool? I got a picture for you. Oh, you even have it turned over, so I couldn't see. I, know, I was going to surprise you with good. this. Uh, in the article, Ed talks about um, shotguns are clearly popular because you can uh, not be too discerning with where you're aiming and still hit something. They can. I would think that you wouldn't want a shotgun in a SWAT hostage situation. Well, it depends on the situation. Right. So I think that's why they pick their guns. But he pointed out that sometimes you can combine the shotgun with the machine gun. What? Did you see that? No. The Knight Master Key S. And I'm going to show you a picture, and I would love to be able to post this on the on the blog. But look at that bad boy. Holy cow. It is essentially, if you know guns, if you picture like an M16 with a clip, right in front of the clip is the front end of a shotgun without the barrel on it attached to the gun. Right. It's like an M16 with a grenade launcher attachment, but instead of the grenade launcher, it has a shotgun. And I'm anti-gun, but I want that's my new zombie defense uh, weapon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to hurt anybody, but this does make me wish for a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice one. So that's the master key. That is the, are you going to hang that up in your cubicle? Well, people might think I'm some creep, but that's not, that's not the case. People not stop by your desk quite as often. Right. And bug you. Uh, we mentioned the flashbang grenades. Obviously, um, if it's a riot situation, they have all manner of non-lethal things that they can shoot at you, foam and wood and things that will stop you but not kill you. They use um, grappling hooks and tiger claws. Uh, No, that's ninja. (laughs) I get the two confused sometimes. Yeah, I understand. Uh, Bolt-action rifles are the uh, sniper rifle of preference. Right, but they're not allowed to use uh, 50 millimeter or 50 caliber. Right. Is it 50 millimeter or 50 cal? 50 cal. Okay, um, these are sniper rifles that I think we've mentioned before in probably the Delta Force podcast I think we have, because I think either Special Forces or Delta Force or both requires their snipers to be able to be accurate with a 50 cal um, sniper r- rifle up right. to 1,500 yards. And why can't they use them in the private police sector? Because it will go right through your target and through a couple of hostages as well. It through can walls. also go right through walls. Check that out. It's huge. That's twice as tall as a dollar bill. Yeah, I'm showing Josh a picture of a 50 cal round, and I, they did a measurement next to a ruler, and it's about five and a half inches long. Wow. Is this bullet. Yeah. With the casing, obviously, but... It's enormous. It can rip very big holes in things. Yeah. So they don't allow them to use that, because it could potentially kill hostages, like, on the street behind the house. It could potentially kill a fruit vendor two towns over. <laughs> it could. Yeah. That's not good. No. You want your fruit vendors alive and well. And uh, surveillance equipment, obviously. Yeah, that pinhole camera I mentioned. Sure. High-power binoculars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, NVGs, night vision goggles. Yeah. Have you ever used those? No. I have. Have you really? Yeah. Did you, Were you carrying this thing? No, no, no. My uh, brother-in-law is in the Marines, and he let me uh, wear his out in the neighborhood one night. <laughs> Did you toilet paper your neighbor's house? No, but I walked around and looked at stuff. That's it cool. was about the coolest thing ever. Really? Did oh, you yeah. notice anything that you wouldn't normally see, like squirrels doing weird stuff? Well, not weird stuff, but you can see in the dark. Huh. Although not complete dark. You know, they work by amplifying available light. Right. Uh, but if it is complete dark, what can they use? Uh, thermal imaging cameras. Yeah. I have a story about this, Chuck. Let's hear it. 
back in the turn of the last millennium, Chuck, there was a lot of debate about whether or not police departments or law enforcement should be using these thermal imaging cameras because they said that um, they could see right through walls. They could. There was way too much detail. Right. It was just unfair and it, it violated privacy. Sure. Right. And they were using them in flyovers of suspected grow houses. But basically, you could just ride around and look right into somebody's house. What? Oh, uh, marijuana grow house? Now you're hip. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, the, the the law enforcement officers are saying, like, no, 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 you can't see through houses. You can't. All you can see is, like, whether there's a lot of heat coming off of a house. Sure. Well, I founded an alternative newspaper in East Tennessee called Washboard Weekly. And I got to the bottom of this, and I found out that I think the Union Pacific Railroads employed security guards who had these thermal imaging cameras to look for bums on board. Really? And I got in touch with one of these hobos. guys. Hobos. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend the bums. Big diff. Um, and I got in touch with one of these security guards, uh, and he was boasting about how it could see right through uh, two-inch thick steel walls and cable cars. Wow. Or not cable cars, but box cars. Yeah, yeah. Right? And um, he said, you can see everything. You can make out basically details. These things are so good. So I cracked the uh, case. Oh, really? Yeah, no one paid attention, but I figured <laughs> it out that, yeah, you law enforcement shouldn't be using those things. There were 20 people in East Tennessee that were very upset as a result of this exactly. finding. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say you got to see it or use it or get a demo. No, I just got to the bottom of it. That's all. Well, good job. Thanks. Investigative reporter Josh. Yeah. And Chuck... Yes, Josh. That's a pretty good segue, don't you think, um, to, I guess, accusations of overuse and overaggression of SWAT teams. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of uh, controversy and criticism right now over the past you know, decade or so. Um, for instance, calling out the SWAT team to serve a warrant on a nonviolent offender seems like it might be overkill. Yeah, and, and it has been just plain old kill in several occasions. Yeah, let's talk about a couple of these. Okay. And we're not trying to blow the whistle, but these things have actually happened, sadly. Uh, in South Carolina, in a high school drug raid, mm -hmm. a SWAT team was called in mm -hmm. to a high school drug raid, and uh, they forced students as young as 14 to kneel down at gunpoint and drug dogs sniffed around in their lockers and their backpacks, and they, of course, found no drugs. Yep. I would say that is overkill and misuse of SWAT team. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, you want to hear another one? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, in 2006 in Maryland, um, police raided the home of Cheryl Knoll um, to, I guess, seize drugs from her 19-year-old son. Those drugs turn out to be marijuana. Right. Just a tiny amount. But the cops came in uh, at 4.30 in the morning. Cheryl Knoll had no idea what was going on, so she heard somebody storming into her house, and she grabbed her registered gun and had it pointed at the floor in, in her bedroom while, while, where she was standing. Right. The cops kicked the bedroom door in. Without identifying themselves and without telling her to drop the weapon, they shot her three times. Wow. The third time was when she was already on the ground. Really? She was dead, and they ruled it a justifiable killing. Really? Yeah. You know, that happened in that old lady in Atlanta just last yeah. year. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't SWAT, though. It was just regular cops. It was, I think, Red Dog. Oh, was it? Yeah. And they just busted in on her, and I think she had a gun, right? Yeah. And acted in self-defense, yeah. and they killed this old lady. They, yeah. They shot her like seven or eight times. Yeah. yeah. Very sad. I think Red Dog got disbanded because of that. Did they? Yeah. 
Here's another good one. This is my favorite one. Uh, an optometrist at some point was shot and killed by a SWAT team officer when the team was called out to arrest him for betting on football games. Yeah. A guy named Salvatore Kulosi Jr. Where was this? Do you know? It was in Boston. And the guy was complying. He was outside of his house, hands up, doing everything the cops were telling him to do. Yeah. And one of the SWAT team members had a, um, I think a H&K or somebody's 45. Uh-huh. Trained on the guy's chest with his finger on the trigger and accidentally shot him in the chest and killed him for betting on NFL football. Yeah. Well, thankfully, these incidences are incidences. Maybe <laughs> incidences are few and far between. Yeah, and and I mean, they, the police department in the city tends to side with their SWAT team. They'll yeah. pay out like a million dollars for a wrongful death or something like right. that. Um, but it's not really having any impact on the use of SWAT teams. But something else is, Chuck. What's that? Did you notice the sidebar on the active shooter doctrine? Yes, I did, actually. That's when there it's like a uh, some kook goes into the office building and starts shooting people up or a right. school shooter. Right. School it, school shooting is what gave rise to this, the 96 yeah. Columbine shooting. Right. Um, for an hour while this this rampage was going on, the, the regular cops created a perimeter and just stood outside of it waiting for the SWAT team, which is exactly what they were supposed to do. Yeah, that's no good, though. But No, it's not, because by the time the SWAT team finally went in, mm-hmm. everything was over. Right. There were, you know, um, I think 17 dead and 35 injured. One guy bled to death in the co- while, while before Jeez. the SWAT team made in, and both shooters had, had killed themselves. Right. So that gave rise to this active shooter doctrine, which is kind of this new school of thought that has led to new training for just the the average patrol officer. Right. To handle this kind of thing rather than sit around and wait for SWAT. So to act fast. Yeah. And and to uh, act tough as well. You know, I mean, if somebody's running around shooting, you can't just call and say we need SWAT and wait an hour. Right. You have to go in and kill the guy yourself. Neutralize. Yes. Neutralize. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so that's leading to a whole new sentiment. And, and like I said, training for regular officers across the country, which is really odd for SWAT now because they're being relegated to just um, static situations where there's right. like a hostage and there's time, the element of time. Right. Which I, I wonder how many SWAT team members are happy about this active shooter doctrine. Yeah, seriously. You Maybe know, we can kind of their somebody. thing. Yeah. You know, if, I've noticed if we say guys a lot, we're not trying to be sexist, but most of these creeps who take hostages and barricade and then shoot up schools and office buildings, they're usually guys. Sure. Let's, let's be real here. <laughs> Women are far too sensible to do something like that. Well put, Chuck. Sure. Well, if you want to learn more about SWAT, uh, you can type in how SWAT teams work in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which, of course, leads us now to listener mail. Yes, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Gilligan's Island reference. <laughs> I like it already. It starts out good. Um, this is from Dan in Fort Collins. I guess it's Colorado, right? Yeah. Uh, hi, Chuck and Josh. Great Red Dawn reference in the Honey Bee episode. I wonder how many people got that. Remember when I said Wolverines was spray-painted on the front? Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah. Uh, Wait, should we go back in time? No, no, no. Oh, okay. People remember it was just a couple weeks ago. Gotcha. Uh, but Dan, no one actually ref- or noticed that except for you so far. Way to go, Dan. So you're you're on the ball. Uh, he points out that there was a classic Gilligan's Island episode, but weren't they all classic, he says, where a Beatles-like group, the Mosquitoes, sure. got stranded on the island. you remember that? Yeah. Uh, was, there an ep- was there an episode where someone didn't get stranded on the island? Even Zsa Zsa Gabor got stranded there. For reasons I can't remember, the castaways put together two groups of competing bands, one with the guys, the other was 
The Honeybees. Yeah. Featuring Ginger, Marianne, and Mrs. Howell. And you can see that on YouTube. He gives the address, but I'm sure you can search for that if you want to see it. Uh, when the Mosquitoes, Bingo, Bongo, Bango, and Irving, <laughs> did get off the island, they cited the honeybees and said they had enough competition already. And all this is, of course, in reference to the honeybee cast, but it leads to this eternal question. Ginger or Marianne? Ginger. Dances Marianne. Marianne. I say Mrs. Howell. <laughs> Sicko. Cougar Central, buddy. She's I can't loaded. decide. That is an eternal question. Okay. I. She's loaded. Well, she's rich. She's uh, Cougar she's Central. Old. Cougar Central. She's sicko. She's experienced. Uh, I'll go with Marianne too, though. Will you? I think ultimately, in the long run, definitely Marianne. Although growing up as a young Baptist, it was very conflicting. It's the the classic scenario of, of good girl, bad girl. Yeah, but ultimately, isn't the best to hope for a, an equal, a balanced mixture of the two? Don't you want a good girl? Who knows how to be a bad girl as well? I guess so. You want Ginger and Marianne? Yeah. I've got Ginger and Marianne. Hey, now. Uh, and he goes on to say hi to Josh and Jerry because he addressed it to me. And how does Josh manage to say HowStuffWorks.com in time with the music at the end of every show? And then he <laughs> says, oh, I get it. Jerry does that. Wrong. That is just my <laughs> natural timing. No, Jerry is the secret behind this mess. We all know that. Yep. Yeah, if uh, if she even left in one beep, we would be in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if you have a compliment for Jerry, if you've figured out that she is the uh, sorceress behind this entire contraption, um, kudos to you. Send uh, send the compliment to us in the email. <laughs> beep. Send a compliment. See, leave that in. Do you see? This is what Jerry does. Send the compliment in an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?